everyone, you're listening to this thing called school, my mommy's podcast. Her name is Dr. Jennifer Chapman, and she told me she created it as a place for educators to communicate, create, and share best practices that help make schools better for kids everywhere. Enjoy! Welcome, 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 everybody, to episode 10. Look at us out here making it to episode 10 of this thing called school. I'm so glad to be here again and so glad to, uh, you know, have these conversations and share them with everybody. Um, This is episode 10, and this week, our conversation... Um, in our conversation, I had the pleasure of, uh, I'm sorry, I just have to pause. Every time I hear this music, it's like, I just want to (laughs) sing, but I digress. So, um, this week I had the pleasure of, uh, chatting with someone that I just think is, is, is a phenomenal being and, uh, the work that he's doing and the perspective and the passion that he's bringing to our young people um, both as an educator and as a parent, you know, of, of, of a young king, I just, I have a lot of respect for him. And I have so much respect for him that I'm not even, you know what, I'm going to read his bio because it deserves to be read. So today's guest, Tony Clark, is a graduate of Cambridge Public Schools. That's up in Massachusetts, y'all. Over the course of his career, he has held posts at New York University, the City University of New York, Columbia University, and Johns Hopkins University. Tony has also worked for the U.S. Department of Education, taught for 10 years in the New York City public school system, and has served as an executive for several leading education reform agencies, which included supporting the work in the New York City Department of Education. He is a compassionate social critic who has written and published articles that have examined race, culture, and education that have ranged from sharing his experiences while serving as a consultant to the Ferguson, Missouri School District after the death slash murder of Michael Brown to mapping out strategies to help teachers contextualize Trayvon Martin in their classrooms. That's, That's big work right there. In addition... He has moderated discussions with survivors from Stoneman Douglas High School on trauma and unearthing smart gun control legislation to facilitate discussions with Dr. Angela Davis, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and Sabrina Fulton on matters of race and justice in America. Currently, a tenured professor of English literature and learning communities at Bunker Hill Community College in Boston, or Boston, I guess that would be more accurate, right? He is the former liaison for equitable and inclusive communities for the office of Mayor Mark C. McGovern, where he was charged with uncovering and creating systems to dismantle white supremacy and remains a faculty member of the English Department of Bronx Community College, where he has taught for over 15 years. And plainly said, this brother's journey has provided him with a wealth of experience and perspective um, in this education space on how we can do the right thing for our kids. So um, I'm excited for you all to hear our conversation, and uh, I'll be back after this.
So, hello, Brother Clark. Hello, how you doing? I am awesome. I am just so appreciative that you took time um, out of your busy social cred- social critic life <laughs> to, oh, <man>. come, <laughs> to come chat with me. I was ready to get my ass out of No. Talk to you. Listen, I love it. I love it. I, I'm so inspired when I see, you know, something that's your own wording. Right. You know what I mean? The articles that you've penned or just even when yep. you're commenting on other other situations. I think it's, it's, it's refreshing mm-hmm. um, and it's inspiring. And I just love it. I, lo- I love to see you just putting yourself out there and sharing. I really it. do. Thank so I, I really want to welcome you again. And Thank you. So I appreciate it. I gave a pe- you know, the people a brief intro to your work before in the prior segment, yep. but I would just love if you could share you know, what you do, where you do it, yeah. and what brought you into this education space. Wow, it's crazy. Um, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Um, I would like to kind of say I'm a kind of a nomad, so to speak. Um, okay. You know, my day job is I am a professor, um, uh, and I pr- primarily have been teaching over the last couple of years more stuff that kind of would fall in the realm of the social criticism. So right now, which is kind of really a cool project that I'm working on right now is with the um, some of the family members, which include the nephew, uh, one of the daughters, and um, some of the other documentarians that worked on Malcolm X. You mm. know? So I'm building out a class you know, with a um, with a student, you know, mm-hmm. um, with the TA, and we're building out this class. He's been going back and forth to New York, looking mm-hmm. at the archives. Um, I'm not doing that. I'm I'm not traveling. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's been interesting because we're getting these, we're getting some information, some information both the Mass Department of Corrections and some folks in New York State haven't been as forthcoming with, which has been interesting. You know, you're looking to build out a class um, on such a, a figure uh, as Malcolm, and you, then you have to bring lawyers involved. So it's, it's, it's been interesting on that space. Um, a lot of my work um, over the last couple of years has been helping school districts think smartly, right? Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I've done this work in places, Ferguson, um, East St. Louis, um, I also kind of go into places after there's been a little bit of turmoil, if you may. Right. So I spent some time in Ferguson after, you know, Mike Brown was, um, was killed, mm-hmm. uh, you know, working, you know, with school districts right now around how do you engage families uh, with family engagement in the time of COVID. Um, and essentially, as, as you know, um, firsthand, both as a mom and as an administrator, you know, how do you engage community um, to have faith in you? when they're looking at everything else. So I, I don't know if I really want to engage the, the school system. And what I have found in my work and working with some districts, which has been interesting is that some folks, some have been like kind of hardcore surveys and some have been anecdotal, right. but a lot of communities, they, the least amount of faith that they have is in the schools, even more so than the police. Right. And that's <laughs> fascinating, right? It's like, you think about the pulse and the climate of our country and it's like, well, I'll take the, I'll take the cops over the school. <laughs> you know that's, what I mean? that's dangerous. It's that's telling dangerous, and right? it's dangerous. Right? And this is, and this in most of my work, just to kind of give your audience, it's been in you know, urban spaces. It's been in places like Compton, uh, Newark, um, mm-hmm. you know, um, East New York, I, you know, and so been a, a teacher in New York City public schools, an administrator in New York City public schools. Uh, it was tough because I, the politics and kind of how to play that game. Yeah. Um, and so I've had a kind of an interesting career, but I, I would say the most interesting thing that I've, I think I've done 
is kind of looking at a myriad of school districts and essentially saying, you can do this better. Um, however, at the same time, I've had to understand over the years my own privilege of saying that and leaving. And so I have to be cognizant of the fact that like, it's, it's easy for me to say, look, in Ferguson, you need to think about these two or three things, but, you know, but then leave, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and I think you have to, at least for me, I had to kind of look at my own privilege and look at that. So, um, you know, it, it's been fascinating um, right now, just onboarded the founding director of, founding president of the My Brothers Keeper Task Force here in Cambridge, um, in Cambridge. Mm -hmm. And we work very closely with the Obama Foundation. That's been interesting because working with the highly resource rich community uh, where it's black males have just well, black children, period, right? Right. Like, you know, like where, how do you have all these resources, 30,000 30, per pupil expenditure, but if you Ooh. place these black, black and brown children, they're as competitive as some of the young, young, young people we're dealing with in the Delta who are, you know, who were dealing with adverse poverty, right? And so right. Um, I've been quite fascinated, really, how do I look at, you know, places like Cambridge, where I'm from, or Montclair, you know, your community, or, or places like Shaker Heights and mm -hmm. Pomona and Ann Arbor. So that's been my kind of my new thing lately is like, I want to look at these, these, these communities that are fairly relatively close to universities um, mm -hmm. and asking, asking the question of how do you have such resources uh, that you're either flanked by or at your disposal that you haven't engaged and why haven't you engaged those places? So um, I don't want to talk too long, but that's kind of the gist of where I am and kind of some things that I want to see. No, we, we do want you to talk long. What you mean? That's why you yeah, nah, I would love more questions, but that's okay. kind of where I am. Well, I love it. I, and I want to just say on a personal note, you know, because yes, I live in California now, but I am from New Jersey. And yeah. just, I am, I feel so at home hearing your accent. Right? <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> it just feels so good to just hear it again. I don't want to move right. back. Yeah. I don't want no uh, snow in my life. No. But <laughs> I'm I'm good with that. It feels it feels good just good. to hear the accent. Um, okay. you yeah. know what? You said something about um, recognizing your privilege when you go into yeah. those communities or even to those. I mean, I'm not going to say districts because they are communities, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, it it's it what what resonated with me when you made that statement was like the reflections that I've had over the four or five different school districts that I've worked in on both coasts and. School districts are so insular and mm. they're so resistant to change. And like last week's episode was about, you know, when you like students, but you don't like the school. <laughs> and it's like, uh. how do we break through and really make some change? You know what I mean? Because uh. like, I know I started my career in East Orange and, right. you know, 99.9% .9 black small um, uh, English as a, a second language population. You know, I was around my peoples, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was hard. Yeah. It was very difficult yeah. for me, you know, despite all the, you know, without all the anecdotes, but it was most right. difficult for me to understand how people weren't doing right, air quotes, sure. by, by children that look like theirs. Sure. Yeah. So I'm just wondering, you know, with with your experience and your perspective, yeah. how do we break through? Like, how do we break through and just have those conversations and actually start the work? 
you know, I think you just said it at the end in terms of being honest about children who are not theirs, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been having these fascinating conversations. Like before this conversation, I was invited to um, this event, right? but I had, you know, I wanted to leave. I wanted to be on time. Right. With you. And it was interesting. It was over at the, um, the Harvard Grad School of Education. And, you know, this whole kind of was outdoors and this whole conversation around we have to do better around COVID and blah, blah, blah. Like in person outdoors? Yeah, it was like, oh, yeah, okay. like, kind of like in a little, um, like a little circle. Some so, little open space that they have. Yeah, it was definitely open. Okay. Definitely open. Okay. Definitely open. I mean, and it then, is Harvard after all. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't know, yeah. But um, <laughs> the open space, uh-huh. and it was interesting. It was like, and I think I used the word privilege because there were families who were there. I don't think that they were understanding in terms of when they were looking at, you know, so one thing I've been working on a lot lately is kind of engaging community around challenging the superintendent of schools to do his job, right? right. Let's just call it what it is, right? In general or just in your area? Um, in general, okay. Uh, but particularly in my area as of recent. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. what's been happening is that other communities that are more that suburb the suburban communities with some kind of you know some black folks in them right ask me to come in they kind of starts you know god bless um, john lewis starts some good trouble there yes i and love I'm, good trouble yeah so every wednesday night i have you know we have zoom meetings and we have we have communities right we have mm-hmm. families who come in and talking about my superintendent help me think about this how help me understand how do I advocate at school committee meetings? Help me write an op-ed, right? And so, mm. you know, it, it went from like six people. Now we're up to like sometimes 110 people on these calls to the point where I'm breaking folks in, you know, groups by themes and stuff of that nature. And what I'm, what I'm trying to get to is the part of your question around in terms of, I think that we have to engage community to understand that we want to build a collection of really, really good schools, right? Mm-hmm. And... We can't, and this may sound really counter to, to maybe my own ethos, but I think <laughs> in this moment is that we can't trust either the school board or school committee, whatever their name in whatever community, and the superintendent to be really invested in creating a really good district, right? right? So just let's allow them to pontificate and, and to do, you know, do all this, the dancing that they want to do at right. those meetings, and let's right. focus around building really great small school communities and then in turn um i think we can build a good district what's that mean that means yeah. that in terms of you know what tony you know we both have children the same age my, my son's birthday is in june yours is july right yep so, so you know and so you're a team captain of our you know of our cohort of 10 families right mm-hmm. i may not be able to go to that particular meeting but you called all 10 of us and then you can debrief the four who didn't go right okay that, what that does, that builds a community where essentially I may not have the relationship with the secretary that I should, you know, that, that maybe I, I want to have, right? So therefore, right. I'm not engaged, but you've helped engage me into the process. You talked about your experience in East Orange. You know, a lot of times with these school districts, we're not, particularly with COVID, I, I don't care how new it is, you had, you had translators in the district. <laughs> we're not bringing the translators out. We're not, you know what I'm saying? Right. We're not, we're not engaging community in ways in which to be creative. For example, the meeting I was at today, the superintendent of the public schools was there. Now I can't get this man to do anything, but at an event at Harvard, 
where we're sitting on this COVID, and I've been asked to sit on this COVID-19 task force. Right. You find your way to put, to be a part of, we got all this green space, but now all of a sudden you want to be in the green space today, right? Mm -hmm. But you're asking families to, to, to kind of engage, you know, your convoluted process around these are the five different op options we're using to go to school and they don't make sense. They're not clear. But I do think folks like you and I have to go back to, you know, dare I say, you know, the kind of the Du Bois model. Like we have to engage from a talented 10th perspective. And I, I hate even the kind of the, con the construct of that. Right. I want to kind of create elitism with it. But the concept of it, I think it's one in which we think we have to think about, right? We have to kind of provide teaching. So for example, one thing that we're looking at now, uh, we're, not, we're going to be launching, um, when I say we, My Brother's Keeper Cambridge, starting mm -hmm. on the 15th, which is a Saturday, the 15th, 22nd, the 29th, and then throughout a couple of days in, in September, Saturdays, we're going to provide trauma-informed spaces. What's that mean? We got some brothers and sisters that we're going to do circles, right? You know, right? Yeah, restorative, mm -hmm. restorative spaces. Yes. We got, you know, every week we'll provide we provide families in the community with yoga, right? Every weekend, right? Hey. Do, you know, getting that, getting that, getting that stuff off. Mm -hmm. um, working with schools of social work, getting some folks to kind of engage pro bono, right? And so, right. Um, and the, and, but one thing I'm really proud of is that we've been talking about, this is something we can do internally, either big community, small, you know, big big C for community, small C, right. providing tech fairs, right? Mm -hmm. All of us are going to go online in one iteration or the other, right? Right, right. And so how do we utilize this opportunity to say, look, okay, help me learn the, you know, the, um, the, the LMS that my son is going to use, right? <laughs> yeah. You help me, you know what I'm saying? And then we, we build we build that, right? So that the, we don't have the same aversion until we had towards March. Right. Quite frankly, what we have seen, what I feel like I have seen, is that districts have taken advantage of black and brown folks and poor white folks and, and whoever else right. for far too long, right? right? And what they've done, they've gotten away with this because no one said, no one calls this crap out, right? Right. So since March, they we're still, at least where I am, they're still in the space of, why are you giving me a survey to ask me what I want? You right. need to tell me, right? Right. Time, <laughs> tell, like, these are your options, right? This right. is your menu of services, right? Right, right. Um, and so I don't, I don't know if I got to your, your, your question, but I do think in terms of we have to build capacity within, mm -hmm. and we have to stop thinking that these people who are in these positions of, power mm -hmm. or influence that they are really engaged in us because schools are really ran and you know this because you know we have talked about um where your child where, where your child went I don't want to say yes. things, where your child went when he was in New Jersey right yes yes a lot of these schools are running very much on a 1950 model <laughs> yes. you know what I'm saying yes. and, and 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 they're not ready and they haven't utilized this time to do audits of their right. schools they haven't said how do I look at family engagement how am I looking at school, school uh, climate? How have I expanded the classroom? What is my after-school programming look like? And so mm -hmm. I think we have to be conscientious that since March, when we were let out of school, they made a conscious decision. Who you know the day is you know black folk we got yeah. the day, but um, <laughs> to not do anything. And yeah. so to continue to sit on our hands and to think that something's going to happen um, is complicit in our own you know 
and our oh. own demise. Oh, no, no, I get it. I you totally answered the question because it's it's okay. you, you know the the way that I processed it is that we have to blow it up from the inside. And yep. in order exactly. to blow it up from the inside, we have to coach people up to be their own um, advocates for their best interests. And yeah. so like in East Orange, you had a certain demographic and, and all of the generalizations that come with that demographic and their engagement in school. But it's, it's not even just in those socioeconomic neighborhoods, right? It's just the nature I mean, this might be one of the things where it's not race and economics. Like this might be one of the things where it's really just race, right? Yeah. Because yeah. like, you know, the school district where I grew up, you know, in the South Orange Maplewood School District, there was a New York Times article recently about the, um, the, in, yeah, right. the inequities yeah. there. And it's like, you know, there was even a, a, an expose for many years about the tracking and the, and the subtle racism that took place, right. you know, over all of the years. And, and these things are not new, but because we have, and I say we as black people have not had the luxury or the privilege of, you know, paying attention to those, to that relationship with school, you know, we've just gotten passed by. Like I think about South Orange and Maplewood and, and it was, you know, a thriving middle-class neighborhood. Right. And there was a very small percentage of black folks there, but if they were there, like our parents were there, my mother wasn't staying at home. She had to go to work. Right. So she didn't have that privilege of participating in the school community. So when you were talking about, you know, creating these pods of yeah. of support, that's exactly what I thought about. It's like there is someone who has the knowledge, like even if it, if we go back to your example, if it were me, I'd be more than willing. Right. right. To loop in with parents and teach them how or not even just teach them, support them in their journey of being self-advocates for their, for themselves and their, and their children, you know? That's real. That's real. I was in a supermarket. True story. This is crazy. Yesterday, <laughs> it, was, it was yesterday, right? So I'm hosting these meetings I'm telling you about, right? Uh-huh. And, and I have, obviously, we're all wearing, you know, we're all wearing masks. Yeah. And it's woman. And, you know, um, one thing that I, you know, we all have, right? You know what I'm saying? We have these, these white folks because of their socioeconomic class, they're like, ah, right, you got to, you got to hang out with the black folks. You know what I mean? Right. Like, just, you know, and then, you know, they you may and have, us. <laughs> they up, right? And you may, they may have a biracial child, I mean, grandchild, right. whatever. So I'm literally, I'm, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in the market yesterday and mm -hmm. this lady's looking at me, I'm looking at her and I was like, and I, she was like, are you Tony Clark? And I said, yeah. And she's like, that's Paula, right? Right. But you but, have the mask on, right? I have a mask, but you know, okay. but I had, MB, I had an MBK mask. I had ah, MBK. okay. You kind of see more our meetings, right? Yeah. And so she's like proceeding to tell me a win that she had with the school district and her son, her grandson. Yes. Uh -huh. And I was like, wow. She's like, you know what? Can you walk with me? And I'm like, this is about, this is about the rain. Can you walk with me to the car? My other daughters are in the car. Okay. She had one daughter with us. She had two daughters in the car. And those are the things where, like, she's like, this is a person intergenerational. What I think we have to keep in mind is that these folks are dealing with intergenerational trauma. Yes. School districts, right? Yes. And she felt like, you know, like, here's this gentleman mm -hmm. who helped me. Mm -hmm. I need to introduce him to my family six feet away, right? Right. You know what I mean? Right. So <laughs> it was crazy, but it made me think that, like, this, what's not happening at the school level yeah. with just good, good-minded folk, right? right? And what happens particularly with folks like myself 
is that, you know, you grow up in Roxbury mm-hmm. and you say, yo, I'm, I'm, I'm in the burbs now. You often, you got to remember that there's a communal thing that you have to bring with you. Yes. To them, right. Because, yes. you know, when I go to my son's, my son's school, I'm, you know, I was a bus. I was bus. Just to kind of. Oh, in Boston, that. which is a bit, yeah. you know, and I'm going to yeah, make that, sure that. Yeah, yeah. That, that's a whole different subject. Yeah, that's a, yeah, I was bus. So part <laughs> of why I wanted, my, I didn't want my child to be bus, right? Right, right. And so I was bus. But when I go into the schools, and it's crazy, you can see, you know what kids are bus, mm. right? Because I know what that means. I know what it means to be like, yo, you know what? I couldn't afford, or my, well, I don't know if I, I, don't know if I could afford or not. I don't know what it was, right. but I wasn't allowed to go to the, um, the before school program. Gotcha. And so my son spent a before school program. So what I was like, hold up, I pushed on them like, yo, they need to be able to stuff like, all y'all good, you know, let's all put money in. So whoever these kids can, you know what I mean? Right. But I didn't realize, I thought that that was just going to be a good, you know, we're all going to do that. Right. To the point where I had to engage the church. I had to, <laughs> it's crazy. Right. But they then in turn engaged the school district. So sometimes, you got to just look at who, who can pull those levers. Yes. And I think we got to be conscientious if it's that person that, you know, that family in East Orange, um, you know, English is their second language. Right. That we, we identify that and we be selfless enough to say, look, I got to pull that person in to make sure they have an advocate. Because yes. I know at my son's school, you know, it's the um the little Latin, the little, the Latin, the little Latinx family always like, I'll sit next to him at the table. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, Absolutely. And it's Absolutely. like, it's the connection there um, that is a byproduct of, of feeling like an outsider in your own home. Yes. And it's, you know, I deal primarily in uh, special ed now. The site that I supervise is all special ed students. But even when I was in New Jersey, I was very adamant about speaking Spanish. And exactly. it's crazy how coworkers just couldn't see the value in that. You know what I mean? And, and I, it became even more valuable to me once I had my son and he was going yeah. to school and I was like, my son, like I've literally gotten teary eyed in faculty meetings, talking to my teachers about how I need them to dig deep and do their best because my child is with strangers all day and I need to know that they are doing their best for him. So if my best, if part of my best is putting in some time in to speak Spanish so that when this family comes in and we have this meeting, and even if it's just, hola señorita, como esta hoy? Or, you know, uh, mucho gusto. Just even if it's platitudes, I can see the tension release. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because, yeah, people go, emotions are going to run high. These are their children, okay? Mm -hmm. That doesn't matter. You signed up to be of service and to be of service. I have always believed meant that you needed to meet the person that you are serving where they are and give them what they need. Not what you think they need, not what your teacher program told you they need, not what some, you know, new PD for the school year told you they need. This is about relationships. We spend more time with these people in our schools. I mean, now we're at home (laughs) and we'll talk about that, but we spend more time. And I tell that now to my teachers, I have a very small site, but we have, I supervise a site that's for um, emotionally uh, challenged students. Mm 
Yeah. Like it's literally the last stop in the district before they go to a residential treatment center. How old are they? Um, they because they're special ed, they can be 13 to 22. I do have a 21 year old um, who will be 22 soon. And I have a 20 year old mm -hmm. on campus. And speaking to that, to, you know, to, to those teachers and because they have classroom aides. I mean, it's a, it's a highly intensive site, right? right, right <laughs> super right. super oh. supportive. Um, I'm just like, yo, these should, like, it's not enough for us to read the IEP, you know, the individualized education yeah, plan yeah. that comes through um, and just be like, oh man, that's whack. That's horrible. Like, you know, reading their history, you got to internalize that. And you really have to learn how to, and, and if that means we got to do some training, you got to yeah. be able to remove yourself from the situation because it ain't about you. None of it is about you. It is about all of the traumas that this human has yeah. sustained in the moments before they cross paths with you. And mm. so I'm always trying to drive that point home. And, you know, some people are more receptive to it because not only is it about the relationship between the adults and the students on the campus or wherever you are, it's also about the relationship between the adults and especially in a public system because of the management hierarchy, taking that into, concern, into consideration as well. Because I also find myself constantly having to chip away. It's like, okay, yeah, yeah, right. Yes, I'm the administrator. But that just means I have different responsibilities. I'm still here to help you as a person. Right. So, I, I mean, I think that's the only part of my job that I take super personally because, because I realize that we are people and we have to feed mm. the person in order right. for them to do their best. Mm. I, I, it's just, I, you know, as I'm talking, I love this job i love the opportunity yeah, yeah. Uh, i mean I, I i really do i miss being in the classroom yeah, and it's funny because i think about like my own i guess goals or just what i want to do next i love yeah. being at this site i i very much want to be a principal um of a middle school or elementary school okay um middle school is first because you know i say really generally most children k through five they love school right then something happens in middle school because you have physical, physiological, cognitive, social, emotional shifts that we're not properly addressing because we sometimes want to look at middle school as like a mini high school, right? Or um, if it's a, a larger school, like they do a K through eight or a K through six, then you're not having that separation of development. Um, we're just not doing right by them. <laughs> in many ways, it's just, it's so, I, I, yeah, I, you know, I, I forget how deeply I care sometimes, nah, you know? But I think you just said some, you know, we have, we have to be trauma. You said trauma informed. Yeah. And that's like, we're not having that conversation. So mm -hmm. we, you know, we had the summer, just so we did a little bit of data digging with the, the local school district and, uh, and I won't say the school district name, yeah. I won't give them some, you know, and we said essentially, like, why are so? This is how it works. So the school, the graduating class is roughly about uh, five hundred kids on mm -hmm. average, right? And this is just kind of doing some research over the last maybe fifteen years mm -hmm. of the class, but I've been able to compile research for about forty-five years and looking at achievement, particularly as it pertains to black, black and brown students, right? Manipulating black CSV sheets. Yes, right, right. right. <laughs> 
so the graduating class, so what it, what it is is that every year about 10 kids go to Harvard, right? Mm -hmm. Which is, from one high school, is huge. Right? Yeah. Another 10 kids, another five kids go to MIT. Part of that is because it's Massachusetts. There's some, some agreement situation. Right. Um, and whoever's, when, they, when the folks listen to this podcast, they're going to know which school I'm talking about. <laughs> but you didn't mention their name. Didn't mention so. their name right? <laughs> but then roughly between 180 and 200 members of that class are slated to go to community college. Right? What do you mean slated? Exactly, right? <laughs> so it's like, all right, we don't have a plan for Tony. Um, he's going to go to community college. So when they report this out to the school committee or, you know, uh, here in Massachusetts, we have some, you know, our, our destiny, like our Department of Education, the yeah. Department of Education and Secondary, you know, um, Secondary Learning. So, I don't know. You know that stuff better than Yes, me. but some sort of dashboard that collects this information. Exactly, right? Okay. So, we're, we're pushing out, we're, you know, everyone is going to college, right? Yes. But then when you, you know, you log into that, 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 that college's system, right? And what right. they're, no disrespect to them, what this district is so sloppy with, that you're saying they're all going to the same school. Well, if you say you got 200 going over there, but then you go in the system in, you know, September, let's even get into January, and you see 60, you know, what happened to the other 140 young people, right? Right. And so this summer, we've identified working with 50 young people who haven't been captured, right? Mm -hmm. And what we're doing is we're working with them three days a week um, around looking at social justice as a, as a lever, financial literacy, and understanding the cost-benefit analysis of looking at a community college. I mean, you know, we live in the, we, you know, we grew up in, you're not here anymore. I mean, this East Coast bias of how we look at community and junior colleges. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, in California now, it's a very different model. Yes. You know, Texas is a different model. North Carolina, yes. you know, Florida, um, even places like Michigan and Ohio, but, you know, Austin, this Northeast corridor, are like, you going there? Yeah, like, we yeah, like you like you failed like in some failed, way. Right? <laughs> and we don't know how to leverage them, and I don't think we talk about it intelligently from a cost-benefit analysis. Nonetheless, I think we also have to be honest about the reality is that there, there are some retention issues, right? Yes. There are some clear retention issues. And that's a whole different raised around reframing, but I think what, when I think I, I, I'm really, I love what you said about trauma, and creating trauma-informed spaces because we're pushing kids off to these spaces um, and we're not thinking about all the things that they, you know, that they come with. I mean, look at this opportunity. We've had enough opportunity to look at social and emotional spaces during this time off. Mm -hmm. We could be kind of doing some, some you know, if it is, inter oh, use the word intervention, but some providing and kind of getting a gauge of what type of supports do our families need, yeah. right? If it's from, from, from food insecurity um, to just, you know, coaching around parenting. I right. mean, um, in all full disclosure for your viewers, I've called you around <laughs> parenting. Right? We share. We right, share. Right? right? And so, <laughs> but you have, but there's a level of vulnerability, right? You've got to be vulnerable, right? To yes. say, yo, I don't know how to do that. Yeah, well, like I'm, I'm about to hurt this boy. Somebody better give right. me. <laughs> right? right? So, you have to be okay with that and you have right. to be vulnerable. And I think 
our districts aren't vulnerable with our people because they've never had to be vulnerable with our people in the way in which they have to now. Yes. They have to navigate the parent, you like her or not, who's going to go on, you know, Instagram or Facebook and, and tag tag that school district and yep. in that post, right? Yeah. Uh, but we also know that you get 50 affluent white families or, or even assumed to be affluent white families at a school committee meeting, man, you you can you can change policy. Ooh. You got to get darn near 300 black folks, you know yes. what I mean? And then they'll think about it. They'll think about it, right? <laughs> so, you know, that that's um, not only is it unfair, right. but it, it's tiring. <laughs> it's draining, yes, right? It so is. it's extremely draining. So it, um, it is. It yeah. is. It's very draining. I was actually, I posted today about another former school district where I was the only black administrator. Um, And not only in the building, but almost like, dare I say, a 10 to 15, no, I'd say up to a 10 mile radius in in some directions, right? Because this this is in Bergen County. Bergen County is the wealthiest county in um, New Jersey. And so there was like a line of demarcation. Uh, Basically, they would say like south of Route 4, you know, that's where all the people of color were. And that's not where I was. And, you know, we're still in those spaces. I felt comfortable uh, in that space because it was similar to how I grew up, right? Similar uh, uh, structure. But it was so interesting how I I became the magnet for, I guess you could say, woke uh, white students and students of color (laughs) who would come and just share with me some of their experiences, uh, things that were covered in class, the way that they were covered. statements or just actions from their classmates and I would share this with my fellow administrators and it was just like no that's not happening no that's not happening right and it's just like so they're lying like we have to honor their voices and so fashion question yeah in that space uh, I was working with an educator and he said to me I'm dealing with I'm dealing with all these trauma and trauma, these young people dealing with trauma. Mm-hmm. Who do I go to? So I asked you, like, who did you go to? Like, this is the crazy part. Okay. Yeah. So who did I go to? Dude was uh, assistant superintendent of the district, 60-year-old yeah. white dude who was, like, I call him my guru, okay? He, like, yeah. introduced me to, to just open my thinking, right? And he said two things to me <laughs> that I still walk with. And one is, because he would, we would debrief after um, admin meetings when I would try to relay this information. And he was like, Jen, you can't only have a fastball. He's mm-hmm. like, you got to switch it up. I'm not saying that your points aren't valid. Mm. But they're not ready to take it like that. So you got to figure out a way to give it to them in yeah. order to make the change. Mm. So he was, the, that was the one. And he's, I mean, I, I still talk to this man. He's, he's amazing. And then the other piece of information that I walk with, because I literally, it's so funny you ask, who did I turn to? Because I would come in, uh, I would go to my, you know, go to my office, get myself set up. And then I'm in the hallways when I'm in a school. Right. Because, well, there's no hallways uh, in California because everything's outside. But <laughs> when uh, I was in, East, uh, in uh, New Jersey, I'm in the hallways because I want to see the kids. Right. Like I want to talk to them. I want I want to interact with them. I want to, you know, be part of the, the, the morning routine. So I would do that. And then I would go to his office to like get my mind right. 
because it was literally like putting on armor because it was so bad there. I literally had, I remember there was an outdoor event or whatever. And on that particular day, I was the only administrator uh, on campus. And so if I'm the only one there, I'm acting instead of, you know, in place of the principal, I'm looking around, making sure everything is okay. And when the anthem was played um, for the flag, I had, my, I, t I had my back to the flag because I was looking around, making sure everything was okay with the entire school in the stands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A teacher recorded me and gave it to the principal and said that I was protesting the flag. Mm. Right, yes. That's, that's, that's what was going on there. <laughs> <laughs> but wow. yeah, it's, it's, but it's still important for us to be in those spaces because those students just kind of like, they just, it was like a magnet. They just came to me and was, you know, just sharing all of these experiences because they need to have someone to go to also. But that goes back to what the other thing was that my, I, I call him my mentor, um, share it with me you know, when, when talking about my aspirations because I'm like, I want to be a superintendent. He's like, I hear you, <laughs> but you got to understand, even before superintendent, you talk about principal of a building, when you were principal, he's like, I've seen how you mother, I know, I know you, and in order to be the, to, and he's like, and I know how much you care, and he's like, in order for you to be the principal that you want to be, somebody's going to suffer, and he's like, I know you're not going to let your child suffer. He's like, you might want to check that, you know, you might want to revisit that when he's older. Because mm. going to what you're saying about reaching out and making those connections with the community, I would be that, that principal at the community gatherings, right? I would be that principal living in the community and interacting because I want to break down that barrier between the households and the school. And then it's like, is it fair to my son to, for his childhood to drag him, you know, all around <laughs> to all of those things? Yeah. It's, well, a, it's, it's the calling. I know, but brother, I'm just like, because yeah. when I think about having my own building, it's like exciting. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's exciting to come in and just on the morning announcements and going and sitting in classrooms and working with teachers on improving their, their instruction, like really, cre like that's a community, really cultivating that community. I don't you know, know. It's tough, right? You know, I've been, I've been lately, I've been pushed around, you need to apply for the top mm -hmm. job and da, da, da. And, and it's part of me to your, to that point, right? You know, um, you know, your own child. But I think as black folks, there's a level of ingenuity that we have that I don't think anyone else has. I'm going to be, you know, maybe I'm biased. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, but, I, but I do think when, I, when I'm listening, you know, you said some, and I'm not here to disparage anyone I've worked with or will mm -hmm. work with mm -hmm. uh, or, or have heard talk. Particularly, I have seen a lot. I mean, obviously, COVID has just exposed what we already knew, right? Right. Exposed inequities. It's exposed yes. the silos. Um, it's exposed the lack of communication. It's exposed the school and culture climate. Mm -hmm. it's, it's exposed how we deal with race. Um, you know, it's exposed how we talk about, you know, race and equity right. and access. Um, 
But I, what it also has exposed, in my opinion, it's exposed what school leaders are really about this work. Yeah. You know, because if you're a school leader, and I'm not, and I'm not here to disparage them, but I have seen, and one thing I love about being black, mm-hmm. uh, and particularly, you know, most of my professional career when I was in the schools was in predominantly black spaces, right? Right, right, right. And it's, and it's, I would say, as dysfunctional, maybe from a standpoint of, you know, looking at curriculum or providing the best PDs. I worked with some folks where, woof, they were terrible. <laughs> right. So you look at someone like yourself who has the skill set to do everything but also understands that you are the locus parentis of those young people in that building. We need that. And I think that's what we're seeing right now is that folks, you know, you got folks and you know, there's folks who got a hundred people, a hundred kids in their school and they haven't made a call yet. I mean, that's like 10 calls a day. Like, you know, you you should be on your third or fourth round of calls right now. Right. right? Right. I I don't understand it. But I do understand in terms of we've allowed this level of mediocrity. So, yes, I get what the mentor is saying, but I also selfishly believe, you know, your brilliant child will benefit from that run that he's on to be around. To think about him being in places and having that work-based learning opportunities, you know, yeah. project-based learning with older young people. Those are the things in which we need, uh, you know, sharpening his curiosity, you know, as right. a and we need we need principles with principles, and we don't. We're, it, it's scary. It's scary. I, I don't. I don't know. I don't, and I'm not here to beat up anybody. Maybe I am, uh, but <laughs> but, I, but I've just I've been seeing a lack of humanity, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And then you see, you know, you know I, I'll stop there. But you know, it's a lack of humanity. Um, yes. I don't think it's too hard to pick up a phone, but I do think we're in a space where folks are using like buzzwords, rigor, and you know, you know, I mean, data inform, you know, like, what's that mean, right? Right, right. Are you a good teacher or are you not? Right. And then, you know, we have, you know, if you're a leader, I'm certain you have a plan already, even if the state or your your county or your your Mm -hmm. district hasn't put one down, passed one down to you, you you know what you're ready to do. Right. (laughs) I know educators in my circle who I love as people, I would not send my child to their school. Right. You know what I'm saying? And these are <laughs> brothers I went to college with. Right, right, right. And my man's. My right. Now, right? Yeah. I hear you. Like, bro, like, are you ready to enter back in those buildings? So, right. um, I don't know. I, it's tough because I know, and I don't believe we have a bunch of you. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. So I'm not going to uh, go, no, 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 we don't. And I also don't believe we have created a pipeline. No. We have done a really crappy job of creating a pipeline of folks coming in to do this work. And um, it's very scary because it's shifting so much. And then what's going to happen, and I don't want to beat up on the TFAs or any of that, <laughs> they're going to be the only places with some semblance of an infrastructure. And no, and we're going to get more and more of that. So I think we, we need, to, need to think for the new school New leaders for new schools, those no, type of we don't, we don't need that. We don't need none of, listen, we don't need no more of that. I was looking at 
So it's funny you say that because like, well, TFA for folks who don't know, Teach for America, right? And there's a, a USC hybrid high school out here that is hiring an assistant principal. So of course you think, my, initially before I do, because I, I do a deep dive on any place that I might apply to, right? Yeah, so yeah. USC School of Education, Pedro Noguera is the, is the dean over yeah, there yeah. now. Um, Funny story, I'll tell you about conversations about him later. Funny okay, story. we're gonna go back to him. So I you know, was doing a deep dive and I said, well, who's the principal there? And I go and, you know, no disrespect to, to this person, <laughs> but TFA, right? And came in as like a classroom teacher. And then in, in two years was an assistant principal and is now the principal. And I was like, I mean, kudos for the promotions, right? But where was the foundation of teaching and learning to help make the school better? Because TFA don't have it, right? They have, they have an infrastructure to get people into buildings, but not to make them educators, right? right. And so he's there. I'm sorry. Well, this person is there. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and then when I looked at how the person looks, I mean, whatever. Look, I was just like, oh, okay. He was black and, he was black and male. That's how this happened. Right. Because right. I don't know the brother. I have never met him. But I'm just saying, based on the information that's provided, which is where you can show off, right? Because it's the written word. I was like, I'm a little concerned because this is a very vulnerable population. The, the USC hybrid school is, it, it, it allows for teenage parents. It allows for staggered schedules. All of the things that we need to address communities where they are, right? And I don't know, I just, I was disappointed. I was like, well, I, where's the foundation to make that school better? And I, I just, I decided not to mm -hmm. apply because I felt like, you know, I, I would be frustrated. <laughs> right. And, and, and folks aren't ready. And I think a lot of folks aren't ready. You know, I, one thing that I've been able to do, good, bad, or indifferent, I think hopefully it's been beneficial to folks I've worked with. Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you what I can't do. Well, what I'm not strong in right now, I'm never going to say the word can't. Yeah. Let you do that and help me and teach me up, right? You know? Teach me up, hold me. And I think a lot of times part of this is, you know, you know, we got white male patriarchy, but you know, we have black male deafness, right? You know what I'm saying? So we got our own we got our own baggage, yes, right? And, I, and I think we gotta be conscientious of we have to elevate, first of all, just just period, we have to elevate our, our women, right, in their voices. Cause a lot of stuff, man. You know, you guys have been our cheat sheet for years. Like, I, you know, we've been cheating off y'all. You know, <laughs> y'all homework Right. Right. So let's let's keep it a hundred. Right. We also gotta say, look, let me elevate, elevate. And I think one thing that I'm okay with, I'm okay with preparing my successor. Mm -hmm. Like, cause that's important to me. You know, yes. I'm okay with elevating. Like, you know, you being the face of the pieces in which you're the, you know, which you can do well. Because that's only going to make that village. And you said something really important. We're dealing with vulnerable populations who haven't been taught to be vulnerable. Yes. You know, you got to be. You got to be like, no, nah, I don't. I'm holding you know, on. You know, this, I'm not. Um, and I think sometimes what happens, and no disrespect to the school of education and their deans, you know, they put they put a black face in front of black faces, and they think they've done everything yeah. well. Like check. Yeah. Did it. Um, you know, I had a 
had some good white friends a couple of weeks ago. Uh-huh. And then they got on a, a Zoom call with me and we were talking about the new Jim Crow and I, they, they, haven't, they haven't called me since, you know? And so it's like, oh, you know, this- they start seeing like, you know, I'm, not, I'm still a black man. Yes. And I'm still gonna, you know, I'm gonna have those black man tendencies and, you know, yes. <laughs> be in my bag. <laughs> and, everyone ain't, and everyone ain't okay with that, including black folk. Oh, absolutely. And they're really, and they'll stop that. They'll say, no, we got to stop. We got to stop, you know, Chapman from doing real work because, you know, we don't want to make these white folks uncomfortable. You know, right. You know and um, that, that's the only way that you grow. Yeah. Yeah. Is by being uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh-huh. You got to lean into that. If it's uncomfortable, then it's calling you. And I think that's where we're not right now. You just, you know, you just made a great point. We're not there right now in this space, this education space we're in right now. Right. We're still talking about like, like, I don't need you to send me to kind of cut and paste the schedule from last year. We're in a whole different, you know, right. albatross and own that. And own, I would rather a principal, a superintendent, the custodian say, look, <laughs> I don't feel safe. Right. Y'all giving me, you, you, you know, because we you, we don't know if we're giving our custodians material that are going to help the school or kill them. Exactly. We don't know what the hell we're doing. And we exactly. just can't be vulnerable enough to say, look, no, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. No, they, <laughs> you know? will, they will not. Huh. They just won't do it. And then they'll, they'll beat up, they'll beat up this guy, I don't know, on Pennsylvania Avenue, who does the same thing. And it's exactly. Like, oh, we just, we just got to get to a point. I don't know what we're doing. We're gonna try our best. Right. We're gonna try to bring in folks who know who know this stuff and are really smart and let them do their thing and yep. get out of the way versus we talk to this stakeholder and that stakeholder and that stakeholder and then we never get to the place. Right. So No, I'm with you. It's it's about building those authentic conversations or right. those spaces for those authentic conversations. And and okay. you know, I used to be uncomfortable being that person mm-hmm. to to start those, but you know, I'm I'm 46 now. I don't care. <laughs> I'm way more comfortable and I understand the value. You know what I mean? And and not only just the value of being that person, but the value that that calling, because you used the word calling before, yeah. never went away. It no. never went away. Now, when I was in my 20s, it was looked upon, oh, she's just whatever. She's immature. She's this, she's that. But it was the beginning and I hadn't nurtured it yet, right? Mm-hmm. But I do, I, I, I do believe that there is a reason that I'm in those spaces to facilitate those conversations. And then, you know, as I've learned with school districts, they're like relationships, you know? Sometimes they, you rock them real good for a while <laughs> and then you're not. And right. then, it, you know, then, it, then it's time because people have grown or they haven't and it's, a t- it's time for a new match. So, you know, I've also um, become comfortable with that, you know, because a lot of times when you look around at, at, at school districts, you know, how I mentioned before that they're insular, people are from there, they go to school there, then they go to college and they come back and they work there and they marry, they find their spouse there. And it's just like so many layers of sameness Yeah, yeah, yeah. that you can't grow. So I am curious because, you know, we do have our young Kings. Um, yeah. What are you, what are you planning to do for the fall? Going back to my initial statement, I understand I operate in a place of privilege, right? Right. Um, I work from home. Yes. Uh, mom has the option to work from home. I, I have the option to work. You know, we've yes. already told from my, you know, um, 
our college that we're going to be remote probably the whole year. Okay. Uh, all the other stuff that I'll do, it will have to be kind of remote, you know? Right. Because um, you, you do, well, you used to move about. Yeah, nah, yeah, bit. yeah. I used to be in New York like once a week. Um, right. But, you know, they'll have to figure it out if they want want me back around, you know? Okay. Like, figure it out. I would like to, I would like to think that if a hybrid model came down, I would be, I would engage, I would engage it, right? right. Engage the idea. I'm not there yet. No. I'm very worried. And yeah. so, um, you know, he'll be here. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and so they'll, they have a distance learning program set up from yeah, the school. Yeah, they're using, um, I think it's Seesaw. Okay, I don't know it. Yeah, I think that um, once, it, once again, they did a good job. Mm -hmm. Several demos, they put them in. They're one of the few districts that listen. Right. Um, put a number of languages. There will be some trainings. Okay. All seesaw. Um, that's for K to five. Okay. Um, you know, they have also been. Uh, I'm getting the sense. So basically, in Massachusetts, um, you can apply for a waiver to get a later start. So it looks like a lot of these. Oh, yeah. School's going to be starting a little later anyway. I am of the I am of the belief that because of the you know um, the teacher union and how strong it is that k through five may have some form of an iteration option you okay know, you know for hybrid six through 12 will likely be online right um, you know um, so that's what it's kind of looking like however you know obviously my concerns are and i love to hear what you're going to do um and really around the quality of rigor that's going to be there um I just want to get in a better space and utilizing the rest of this month to prepare so mm -hmm. that I'm able to help him right. you know, be as successful as possible uh, and supplement. So it's actually been a good thing in some ways for me because it helped me understand my own blind spots, mm. helped me understand that I, I was too maybe reliant on the district and other options yeah. op that I had. Um, yeah. But it looks like um, I'm, I don't. I don't see myself making a move in person until at least January. You know, I just I, no. I, I yeah, I I feel you on the same thing. We are actually so the governor mandated. I guess there's 33 California counties on a watch list, and so all of the schools in those counties on the watch list uh, had to start remotely. So. Um, for my son, that meant that they had two options for distance learning. One was like tethered to a teacher um, and a couple of videos and just, you know, different stuff. But I knew for him that that pace and that the challenge wouldn't be there. And then the other option is like straight up independent study. They love independent study here in California. <laughs> and so um, I will work with the independent study teacher because I've already, I mean, you know, I, I, I be on him, right? So yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, he's going into third grade, but much of the work that we've been doing is fourth grade. So what I do is get the standards from the teacher. Cause I, I mean, my, my time has been in high school and middle school, right? So I'll get the third grade standards from the independent study teacher, and then I will build his assignments around that. And I'm looking to have two hours of dedicated 
work time. I said, I have air quotes again, because people won't see the video, but two hours of dedicated work time where I intend to provide everything thematically, right? Like I'm not a fan of, okay, everybody, here's 30 minutes of math and here's 45 minutes of science because the world doesn't come at you like that, right? Mm. So right it's not, you know, it's not divided into a bell schedule. So mm. I will work to provide what he needs thematically. And then we're getting outside. I mean, we have the benefit of the good weather, but um, I have his babysitter. She's awesome. She like builds gardening troughs or whatever. Sure. She coming over, we gonna garden, right? We're, we're tie-dyeing with arts and crafts. Like I'm reaching out to the people that I know that are around that are in the bubble so that we can have this experiential um, access as well. And for me, it's almost like a dream come true because even as much as I love being in the schools, you know, on those days when it's real rough, <laughs> I'm like, yo, if I could just have like three more kids and just homeschool, like I'd be mm -hmm. set. I'd be set. I even tell people, I'm like, look, I tell, I tell my brother and his wife, I'm like, look, y'all have a gang of kids and I will quit my job and <laughs> I will homeschool everybody. Cause that just, it, there's so much in, in, and I think it also just, you know, aligned with my own personal growth, but you, you get to learn so much about yourself and yeah. life if you really are vulnerable and open in those situations. Yeah. And I mean, I just, this, this, I love it, man. I love it. Yeah, no, nah, I'm actually, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm trying to get myself more organized. Get us so we can get <laughs> Right. Um, you know, got to get better. It's That's okay. Go time. Go it, time. It, it is. But you know, you also give yourself some grace. Yeah. And we still have to be kind to ourselves. Because even as, as structured as, as we are and, and maintaining our schedules and being productive, the world is crazy right now and we can't outschedule that you know what i mean mm -hmm. so we have to be i find myself like having to give myself grace because you know being a single mom i don't get a lot of downtime right so it's like i'm intentional about like at the end of the day or even getting up a little bit early just to be able to clear my palate because we have to be not even start, we have to be real for them. You know, we got to be real. And I, and I found out, not I found out, but I realized like in the beginning of the like quarantine back in March and my niece was staying with us and I was so, it's like so funny for me to even say anxious. I was so anxious that I realized that I was not like processing what was going on. Right and then just broke down crying one day because it's like, yo, this is serious, you know? And not saying that we become over, you know, we don't be, become overcome with worry, but right. acknowledging that, yo, some real serious stuff that's going on that's outside of my control. And so I'm gonna focus inward. This is uh -huh. my bubble. And I'm gonna do my best each day to continue to move forward in all the areas of my life. How, how so? Where your niece? Um, what, what grade is she in? She's she oh man, she's going into her senior year of high school. She goes to uh, independent school um, somewhere else in California, Got and it. it's just like, you know, <laughs> it's a lot. You know, imagine, think back to your senior year of high school, right? And 
we were looking forward to senior year for so many years and you have all these plans about what you're going to do with your friends and the privileges that you have. And plus, you know, here in California, you could drive at 16. She got a driver's license. And then it's like, everybody stay home. Right. So there's been a lot of processing um, of this, the realities with her and then circling back to your comments about the junior colleges or community colleges. Yeah. I, I have those conversations with her because we went last summer, I took her on a little um, black uh, HBCU mini tour, <laughs> right? So, and, but I still have the conversations with her because I have a hefty student loan payment, right? And even though I'm in a, the, the public service loan forgiveness program and those parameters, I don't want her to accumulate that debt if she doesn't have to. So you know, my, I went to, I, you know, even though I started at Spelman, I transferred to NYU and my brother graduated from there and she loves NYU. And I was like, NYU baby girl is $70,000 a year. Okay. So I just need you to keep that in mind. I need you to keep that in mind with the places that you're applying to, the places that you get accepted to. When you're writing that personal essay, you better write the hell out of that personal essay so that it better, you know, and I'm working with her on that too. Because this ain't the time to be like, oh, let me go rack up six figures in debt. No. Because we have a very strong uh, community or uh, community college or junior college system here in California. If that's where you have to go and you go there and you rock out for those two years and get all A's and come out with that associates and then you can go on to the next step for free, then that's what we'll do. Mm. But, you know, it's, it's difficult because, you know, we're, we're making adult just having to make adult decisions with like teenage dreams. So, but it's, but I'm always there. She, you know, she actually lives with my father and his wife. So I am that, you know, guiding force in regard to education. But it's difficult, you know, and her friends, because she, she's at an independent school, which also has boarding students. Many of her friends are boarders from other places in California. So they can't even like hang out and, it's, it's difficult, you know, and, and I talked to her about keeping it real with herself. I'm like, listen, it's okay for you to be disappointed. You can be angry. You can be sad. You can be frustrated, but you still have to do your best because none of those emotions is going to get you the grades that you need to make sure you get the money to go to the school that you want. Like, I'm not, I'm not invalidating the feelings, but you've got to be able to be ahead of the feelings. I, I mean, I say the same thing to my son. You know, because he, he's got big emotions. He's, I don't know how much you subscribe to like astrology, but he's, he's this little cancer baby and he's got all these emotions with this Sagittarius mama who's like, bop, 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 bop. Now let's go. I, <laughs> so, I, got a, I got a Gemini and I'm a Libra. He be working me. Yes. Okay. So, but I also, I welcome it because it's given me an opportunity to work on my patience and my delivery, right? Because everybody doesn't receive info or just worlds or the energy or my energy the same way. So it's all a journey. Yeah, but it's such a beautiful struggle. Oh my God, it's a beautiful struggle getting in good trouble, baby. <laughs> it really, really is. Um, you know, I, I've run out of questions to ask you for this. It's either I, it's either I pause here or we're gonna go on for like three hours. <laughs> I, uh, I appreciate it. Now, this is actually, uh, this is my first podcast I've ever done. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> yeah, well, great. And, it, and it's, it felt like a conversation. So you've you done a great job. 
Thank you. That's what I, I, that was my whole motivation because moving around from district, district to district or coast to coast, I yep. find out, I'll find one or two people here and there that I connect with. And I'm like, okay, so logistically, we're all not going to move together and work in a school building, but how can I keep those conversations going? Because mm -hmm. that's the energy. If we're talking about like creating a synapses, you know, web across the country, we need to connect the folks that are in those same spaces so that we can do better for our little ones. We really do. No, I love it. I love it. No, <laughs> no, thank you. I appreciate it. No, I want to thank you. I appreciate you taking the time out. I appreciate the work that you're doing. I appreciate, I appreciate all of that. And, you know, we're going to need to chat about getting you out here in the podcast space because Absolutely. let's do it. Let's do it. We got to get you out here, brother. More people. Okay. All right. Definitely. I look forward to it. Yeah. So blessings right. to you and the young king. All right. Appreciate you. You as well. Okay. Well, la -dee da <laughs> And uh, that was Brother Tony Clark. How'd y'all like that? Uh, you can see we got a lot of good energy going back and forth. But, um, yeah, I just want to thank the, the good brother again for uh, stopping by and, and, you know, being part of the conversation with us. Um, you know, we had a bunch of goodies in that in that conversation. And I did mention uh, that I would include those in the show notes. So please be sure to, um, you know, check out the show notes on whatever your podcast uh, platform is, your respective or favorite podcast platform. If you want to dig a bit deeper into some of the uh, education related topics that we mentioned uh, in the conversation. And while you're at it, please follow Tony Clark at tclark617. That's on Instagram. And the only tclark on Twitter. I've got his handles in the show notes uh, as well. And then that means it's time for our exit ticket. And hopefully you'll remember what an exit ticket is. It's just a quick and ungraded formative assessment to help teachers uh, know what their students understood from the day's lesson. So I, I look at the person um, that I get to speak with as the teacher, and that would put me in the role of student. And uh, we want to see, you know, what have I mastered or what did I hold on to? So I, I'm the student and we are, we're using an exit ticket called What Stuck With Me Today. And what stuck with me today was Tony's favorite quote that he offered, uh, that difficult takes a day, impossible takes a week. Some of you may recognize those words from Sean Carter, also known as Jay-Z, but uh, these words stuck with me. And when you put them in the, in the context of our conversation, you know, this is difficult work to in improve these education spaces um, for our, our young ones, which in turn improves the world for all of us. So it's almost a selfish act that we're engaging in. But, you know, I would love to hear your feedback or your suggestions or, you know, just anything that you would like to say. And you can reach out to me on Instagram and Facebook at this thing called school. And I just appreciate you being here. Until next time, y'all be well. Thanks for listening to this thing called school. Please help grow our community by telling a friend, 
leaving a five-star review wherever you're listening to your podcast and following us on Instagram at this thing called school.